0: Okay,
1: everybody, quiet
0: on the set. Okay. Scene one, take ten. Marker. the studios of the Modern School of Film. Welcome to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo, and over the next hour together, we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, more is more. Actor Michael Ricker is with us. To Murmur. Welcome back to Murmur. Robert Malazzo here with you. I am the founder of the Modern School of Film. With you on Murmur Radio, MUR, Radio.com, Social Handles at MSF Murmur, Twitter, Instagram. If you want anytime access to the show, download the show. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Also, if you have a subject you would like me to match with a guest on the show, email me directly, murmurradio, one word, at gmail.com. I'll take your subject, I'll match it with a guest, and we're off. Or we're on. (laughs) One announcement, March 9th, I will be in Monaco. Yes, that Monaco. I'll be chatting with a badass actor. (laughs) A badass artist. (laughs) Wesley Snipes. March 9th, that'll be cool. For more information, go to modernschoolfilm.com. Man, that's going to be fun. Hope to see you there. If you're there, come say hi. Welcome back to Murmur. Every Murmur, it's one subject and one guest. Today's subject, apropos of today, because today is the 100th Murmur. It's our 100th episode. I don't like birthdays, but happy birthday. Is that right? It's not really a birthday. It's more of a mark. We left a mark, a hundred of these. If we were a TV show, maybe we'd be syndicated. (laughs) We're not. (laughs) A hundred murmurs. Thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to listen. Thank you to our guests. And here's to a hundred more? Question mark? That said, what a perfect subject for our hundredth episode, exposure. Actors as it turns out, are the hardest guests to get on the show. I see Rooker a lot, not only on TV and on the big screen, but when I do events at comic shows, I always see Michael. I see him, we literally like pass each other in and out of elevators. I know we've been trying to do a talk for a while. We've been trying to do something for a while. It's actually longer than a while. And I'll tell Michael about that when I talk to him, talking about all the work he's done, continues to do in different mediums. He actually started as a trained stage actor at the Goodman School. In Chicago, a renowned training institute for actors. So I've seen the arc of his work start from being known as a really great actor. Now he's progressed into really cool, high-profile genre work on TV and film, but he's still a great actor. And that's kind of the secret, not a secret. So it's really cool to have a voice to voice with Michael rather than just passing them in, in an elevator. And what's cool about that is when Michael does the conventions, he's there. He's out there. He's not shrouded by a million hangers on. He's not shrouded by bodyguards. He's just not shrouded. He's very there. So what better subject? What better episode? What better day than to talk to Michael about exposure? Actors, their teams, their worlds, their people, press, studio, maybe assistants, don't always want them talking all the time. I always think there's two folds to that. Fold one is these promotional cycles are so everything to the teams of actors. So if you're talking, you should talk on those cycles. God forbid you should talk off those cycles. Michael Rooker is not on a promotional cycle. He's talking to me right before he's about to go to location to do a movie. So it's an uber rare opportunity to not tie this into promotion, which as you know, if you listen to the show, those are my favorite kind of talks where there's really no other reason to talk than the reason itself, and that's part of the fun. But actor talents, the talent, as it's known vocationally, (laughs) often don't speak out of cycle, out of turn. Maybe they want to, but simply, we're not given access to them. It's not unilateral acro- across the board. Some actors, some humans don't know when to shut up. But apropos to murmur, apropos to talking to an actor, it seems to be often buoyed to something. The actors I've had on my show are not buoyed. And that's what we love about them. And may the unbuoyedness continue. So let's talk about the reasons actors and artists and people unbuoy. It's because of exposure. Not to get remedial here. You know what exposure is, but I wonder if we're losing this definition when everything is out in the open, when everything is transparent, when everything is said. Now... Talking about cycles of promotion for actors, Twitter is a 24-hour cycle. Instagram is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week cycle of exposure. Now, Michael Rooker only does one, famously. He does Instagram, he doesn't do Twitter. We'll talk to him about that. He actually stopped doing Twitter when his longtime friend and colleague, James Gunn, was vilified because of his Twitter account and old tweets that were being unearthed. He actually lost a directing job. On Guardians of the Galaxy 3 because of it. Maybe we'll peer into that with Michael today. But Michael quit Twitter. He said Twitter sucks and I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> See you on Instagram. <laughs> so, So these cycles are 24 hour ventricles of exposure. And what's interesting about it now, and it goes across the board, not just actors, we seem to have a president now who is well aware of this. These practitioners, these artists, these figures, these people, these human beings can always be exposed. They can expose themselves. They can self-guide their exposure. I'm sitting here thinking it's like leaving a loaded gun with a child. (laughs) I'm not laughing at that premise. I'm laughing at the fact that exposure giveth and taketh. Exposure is now more of a want than a need. Exposure for artists is always built in. You need to promote this. You need to talk about this. But now when artists and people and human beings can talk about themselves all the time, is it a disease? Is it a compulsion? Is it an addiction? You know, there's this thing called process addiction where you become addicted to a process. Addiction to the process of exposure. I'm not talking about the low-lying fruit. When I reference... Remembering actors who wouldn't do this. These were the top echelon of actors who simply wouldn't do anything promotional about themselves or about the work. Now more than ever, the people who weren't promoting their work in the arts are promoting their work. People who never spoke are speaking. And I can't tell because there's so much speaking and there's so much exposure and there's so much noise. What do the artists enjoy speaking more about? themselves, or their work. <laughs> Can we ever go back to artists who would rather not be seen and heard? <laughs> J.D. Salinger. <laughs> Greta Garbo, where have you gone? <laughs> Salinger, uh, probably the most famous, infamous, notorious, celebrated, social, underexposed, reclusive figure, artist, icon. Did I get it all in there? He, when he did talk, would make the distinction between wanting to be alone and and wanting to be left alone. Embedded in those ideas is these artists don't want to be alone alone. They simply want us to leave them alone. There is something about this exposure boomerang, though. It is Faustian. You know, you drum up consciousness in a community, in a culture, in a base of fans. That's the work. Yet you want to be left alone. Is that reasonable? Is that fair? Is that privileged? Is that pompous? And then there's the middle turf, the middle turf of anonymous exposure, like a Banksy. You don't know who they are, yet they're everywhere. It's the very premise of street art, like Space Invader. This is my avatar. I'm here. I'm not really here. Music, whether it's gorillas, collective music, there's something interesting about being there, but not being there. So so exposure subdivides those who want to be exposed, those who are overexposed. Who is overexposed anymore? I want to talk to Michael about that. I see Michael a lot. I see him on TV and movies a lot. I don't know tons about him. And I think because when he exposes himself, he's not exposing himself. There's that science. There's, a, there's that art to being there, but revealing very little. I was thinking of classic figures like Peter Sellers. Did Peter ever let himself out publicly? He was always gauzed and costumed and, and used prosthetics to mask himself. The filmmaker Henry Jaglum once talked about Orson Welles, how he, every role, and if you look at most every role he's done, he has some sort of prosthetic, some sort of fabricated physical piece, whether it's on his face or on his body or his girth, which wasn't fabricated at the end. It's <laughs> Citizen Kane, yes. So there are actors who liked to be caked on. But Welles was everywhere, yet he was nowhere. There's that melancholy of exposure. These art forms, these public facing art forms, these works, any public facing works where you're exposing yourself, but you're not. It's a confusing contract. It's often a vexing one. There are times that people excuse their behavior because it's work behavior. They excuse their demeanor because it's work demeanor. I'm just like that at work. I'm not really like that. I think that's a bullshit alibi. So exposure can be an excuse exposure can be very forgiving to the artist. This is simply what I was like when you saw me, this is not what I'm like privately. My response is you're both and they're both of equal value and equal weight and they're both to be looked at and understood. The modus operandi of murmur has never been to expose. Oftentimes something will come up in a conversation with a guest that will be that will expose something new, maybe something old in a new way, but hopefully ideally the show engineers a collaborative Exposure, and from my side of the table, I like that because exposure and promotion are two are church and state to me, our church and state to me by and by. But what an irony today to have an actor talk about the one thing actors are not allowed to talk about It's like walking on a tightrope you don't talk about the fact that you're up in the air. It's like living in Brooklyn. I never talked about bedbugs. You just never talked about it. It's what you do, it's what you live through. (laughs) You never talk about exposure in an exposing way with a guest whose life and work has a relationship to exposure. It doesn't have to be a nebulous rhetorical nexus, which exposure often is. It doesn't have to be a navel-gazing, self-aggrandizing, narcissistic, unsolicited, unprovoked opportunity to tell us what you had for breakfast. (laughs) Exposure can be an opportunity. So let's say this. After 100 episodes of Murmur, one of the meat byproducts is exposure as a tool. Michael Ricker wants the same thing. He is an actor. He is a great actor. That work needs to be seen. In order to see it, his projects, A, need to see the light of day, and they need to be talked about. And to that, to that end... This episode, like every other, let's put the cart before the horse. The cart being the subject. The horse being the talk. Or maybe I'm the horse and the guest is riding on the horse. I don't know. But jump on in. (laughs) Don't make me turn this cart around. (laughs) Today, the road meets the rubber. The meta on the meta. Michael Rooker. Exposure. Now this.
2: What do you mean you don't know where he is? The son of a bitch is a hit, goddammit! Over 2,000 phone calls! Get out of the mail room. As of this minute, over 14,000 telegrams. The response is sensational. Herb telling. Max, Herb's has phone hasn't stopped ringing. Every goddamn affiliate, from Albuquerque to Sandusky, the response is sensational. Yes. All right. For you, Herb, get back to your office. Muldanian called me, Joe Donnelly called me, we got a goddamn hit, goddamn it, Diana showing the Times. We even got an editorial in the holy goddamn New York Times, a call to morality. I don't know where he that is. That crazy son of a bitch Beale has caught on, so don't tell me you don't know where he is. He could be jumping off a
3: roof for all I know. The man is insane, he's not responsible for himself. He needs care and treatment. And all you grave robbers think about is that he's I hit.
4: You know, Max, it's just possible that he isn't insane. That he is, in fact, imbued
2: with some special spirit.
3: My God, I'm supposed to be the romantic. You're supposed to be the hard-bitten
2: realist. All right. Now, Howard Beale obviously feels a void. The audience out there obviously wants a profit, even a manufactured one, even if he's as mad as Moses. By tomorrow, he'll have a 50 share, maybe even a 60. Howard Beale is processed, instant God, and right now, it looks like he may just go over
3: bigger than Mary Tyler Moore. I am not putting Howard back on the air.
4: It's not your show anymore, Max. It's mine.
2: I gave you the show, Schumacher. I'm putting the network news show under-programming. Mr. Ruddy has had a mild heart attack and is not taking calls. In his absence, I'm making all network decisions, including one I've been wanting to make a long time. You're fired. I want you out of this building by noon. I'll call the security guards and have you thrown out if you're still here.
3: Well, let's say fuck you, Hackett. You want me out of here, you're going to have to drag me out kicking and screaming, and the whole news division kicking and screaming with me. You
2: think they're going to quit their jobs for you? Not in this recession, buddy. When he gets back, he'll have your ass. I got a hit, Schumacher, and Ruddy doesn't count anymore. He was hoping I'd fall on my face with his Beal show, but I didn't. It's a big, fat, big, titted hit, and I don't have to waffle around with Ruddy anymore. If he wants to take me up before the CCA board, let him. Do you think Ruddy is stupid enough to go to the CCA board and say, I'm taking our one-hit show off the air? and comes November 14, I'm going to be standing up there at the annual CCA management review meeting, and I'm going to announce projected earnings for this network for the first time in five years. And believe me, Mr. Jensen is going to be sitting there rocking back and forth in his little chair, and he's going to say, that's very good, Frank. Keep it up. So don't have any illusions about who's running this network from now on. You're fired. I want you out of your office before noon, or I'll have you thrown out.
3: You go along with this?
2: Max, I told you I didn't want a network hassle on this. I told you I'd much rather work The Beale Show out just between the two of us.
3: Well, let's just say, fuck you too, honey. Can you see the real me? Can you? Can you? Howard Beale may be my best friend. I'll go to court. I'll put him in a hospital before I'll let you exploit him like a carnival freak. You get your psychiatrist, I'll get mine. I'm going to spread this whole reeking business in every newspaper on every network, group and affiliate in this country. I'm gonna make a lot of noise about this. Great, we need all the press
5: we can get.
0: garbo was once asked why do you live in new york ms garbo replied rather matter-of-factly because i enjoy being let alone I always thought that was an interesting thing because I'm from New York and the one thing you're not physically in New York is alone, though emotionally and mentally and artistically you're let alone. And that's kind of the contract with public artists. You know, they do public facing exposed things, but they don't always want to be exposed. So what better artist to talk to today than someone who I think knows the good, the bad, the ugly of exposure. And he may not know, today's talk is 20 years in the making. I met him really briefly when he was uh, talking about doing a play in New York called The Red Devil Battery Sign, which was a late Tennessee Williams play. And one of the reasons I wanted to have him on the show is I think a lot of his fans don't know well enough what a true craftsman he is. And also those of us who know what a true craftsman he is are inspired by all the modern work he keeps churning out. Please welcome this black belt of karate and of mental gymnastics to talk about exposure. And for our 100th episode, please welcome to Murmur and to the Modern School of Film together again for the first time. Welcome, Mr. Michael Rooker. Hey, Rooker, how are you, man? Oh, hey, do you remember 20 years ago almost doing a play in New York called The Red Devil Battery I, Sign? Do you remember that? I
6: do, I do, I do remember that. Uh, yeah, finally, I remember something. Yeah, I, I do actually.
0: <laughs> you know, with all due respect to Tennessee, it was actually his last play awful piece um but you know i I knew of your work then in the sense i knew what a skilled actor you were and it's interesting what do you think man you know we live in a world now where everything is out in the open is there any such thing as exposure when everything is exposed do we have exposure in in a true sense anymore or is it all to hell in a handbasket
6: you know it it is it is kind of uh with the social media and and the uh everybody's uh, curiosity I think it's a natural thing for people want to want to know like Q&A's and stuff like that they want to know my forte is not telling them so <laughs> I can so I can talk with you for an hour and not tell you anything which is uh, it's okay I don't I don't mind that
0: then that's the whole thing of <laughs> uh, Michael Rooker everybody uh, okay cool not this
6: particular conversation but when I go and I, I do like a, a comic con or a, some sort of personal appearance or something like that i really enjoy not uh, not giving answers
1: <laughs> so um,
6: i i, 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 I pride myself in not, um, not uh, exposing not as as much as I possibly
0: can. Well, you know, it's interesting. Part of it, you know, your work. Let's look at the the, the tip of the spear for a second. Is this the millionth reference of The Walking Dead and Guardians Guardians of the Galaxy? A, are you fucking sick of talking about these things? You know, talk as if- I know,
6: not at all. You know what? It's 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 a, a, a it's a family man. It's like these guys. You know, uh, although I'm not on the show anymore, they they we still talk uh it still feels very very um uh uh, uh there ha- i i think they're still having fun on the show you know <laughs> um but wow uh i just uh i just put up an instagram
0: you and norman reedus i saw that and you were counting yeah, down to the family I, I, again I Yeah, miss, i yeah.
6: miss my family man i yeah. miss, i miss being on the show it was a great show. We had a lot of fun. It was a very physical. Everybody gets hurt on this show. Everybody gets bruises and bumps and scrapes and and you're you're dodging rattlesnakes in the woods and all. It's just it, it's you don't have to act on that show, man. You're you're literally in the heat and the hot. I did that that um rooftop scene. It was 115 degrees. And even hotter on the roof because it was f- reflecting off the off the, the the roofing stuff, and and it was everyone you know people were passing out. I mean, at least two or three of the actors got faint, and they had, they had to get into the shade and hang out. And it, it was it's a tough show, and so no, I'm not I, I'm not at all tired of you know talking about it, and and uh, and uh enjoying what I'm seeing
0: it's, it's not a real project till actors start passing out and you know that you know you you learn that at the good you learn that at the Goodman school I mean basically you know that's a Goodman thing um. hey,
6: if you don't give it your all you're not you're, and you're not passing out right Come on, come on! That's it's a, it's like a it,
0: deal here in football. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. You know that kind of deal. We're speaking with <laughs> speaking with Michael Rooker. You know, I, I I don't want to diss those amazing communities of fans, no less practitioners. Obviously, because I think the, the joke is how great art. How many great artists are in the stuff you do, present company included? Whether it's Guardians or Walking Dead. But you know, when I think of you, Michael, and maybe maybe because I'm old, Mike, um, you know, I think of you in Eight Men Out. I think of you uh, as Henry Lee Lucas, I think of you in Mississippi burning. Do you miss those conversations or do you think that was kind of a different chapter in the book of your exposure? It's a different form of exposure.
6: I like it when people bring those, those movies up because you know, they were, they were the beginning. Yeah. You know, uh, they were like Mississippi burning and, uh, sea of love and eight men out. And, uh, JFK and and Henry, of course, uh, one of my first one of my first movies that I actually had a a full on through line. You got to have an arc, even with three lines. You got to yeah. you have to yeah. develop that arc. You have to have that backstory, and it's and you know and that's what sets apart. Actors that don't think about that, and actors that do. A really, I I don't want to uh, drop names, but a really great actor, a guy that I really respect, asked. He came to my trailer. He visited. I was working with his daughter, and he came to my trailer, and he wanted to talk to me. And I was like, Oh my god, you know. So I'm I'm having a little chat, and he said, You know what? I'm the real reason I'm here can't figure out why I can't stop looking at you in these movies that you do, and I think I've figured it out. You have a history. There's this history for this character and backstory and all that kind of stuff that they teach you in school. Yeah. you know, drummed into your head. You
0: know, it's interesting. I uh, was speaking with Michael Rooker when I saw your career kind of evolve and change into, let's call it, you know, the mo- modern fan culture. I thought to myself, you know, the joke is, does his fans ha- know that this is a real actor? <laughs> you know, you're, you know, you're one of those actors when I think like the, the, the big high profile projects you do, whatever they are, commercial projects, studio projects, I say, you know what? The joke is how good an actor he is. If you listen to you on one of those typically heinous behind the uh, camera interviews of the making of yours are really interesting because you actually talk about craft. Have you ever gotten guidance from a producer or a press person? Yeah. Rooker don't talk so much about acting stuff or do they kind of let you speak your piece?
6: I really try not to talk about myself too much and I I prefer not to, and I prefer to just have a conversation and stuff about different things you know as a i think there are too many actors too many shows too many things on the air already but um to answer your question which i've already forgotten <laughs> um uh what was your question my Let question do, do you ever back? get
0: any guidance from the the powers that be and maybe don't know oh, hey no, rooker no, less no, on they, the less no. on the spine of the character stuff do they talk about that with you no
6: no they don't they don't they they usually just uh, you know they edit out all that stuff anyway. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the good stuff, right? 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 But right? Right? So just... they
6: edit out. They like sound bites. They like um,
0: quick, right, right.
6: witty. They'd rather get ten answers in than two answers in. I know. You know. know. Uh, so they they don't like to really have uh, longer conversations and and talk about that kind of stuff, getting in more into depth about about stuff that you know bothers the actor or, <laughs> or uh, helps him in the role or, or any of that kind
0: of stuff. So. God forbid it should be uh, nutritional, speaking with Michael Rooker. One, one quick postscript before we talk about things that have nothing to do with you because I don't want to talk about you because you've made that clear how bored you are of yourself and your tone of voice. It, it's,
6: easier, <laughs> it's easier to talk
0: about other people. But I will say one thing before we leave, as if you're not here, Everyone listening and fans are of of Mike of Rookers who are listening, watch that scene in uh, Mississippi Burning, amongst others, where Hackman goes back to to uh, to take a little bit of a pound of flesh from the, the locals, and watch Rooker and Hackman. And a, your nuts will never feel the same way. But b, that's acting. And Thank you. You are an actor. So
2: Barry says, "I'm gonna give you a try." It calls up the newspaper. Working? What's it going wrong run with? A watermelon. <laughs> He's going to keep on running, too. He says, okay, boys. If you get down there on one goal line. He puts a whole other team on the other goal line. The whole other team, he throws a the ball, and he says... Are you open?
7: You got to be a member to drink here. Member? A <laughs> member of what? Member of the social club. Oh, I thought you'd just buy me a beer. Give him a beer, friend. Nice to be back in the dry county again. When I was sheriff, about half of my take-home pay was from collecting taxes on illegal jukes like this. Probably works the same here. You know, I would think you'd haul in a tidy penny here, winking at the bootleggers. I don't know nothing about that. Thank you. Yeah. A tidy Penny. You got anything stronger in this, deputy? No. No, we ain't. Oh? You know, in Thornton, Mississippi, there's a joy juice still in every yard. Yeah, well, all you need is just some corn, sugar, and a pot to boil it. <laughs> I tried to take the fingerprints of this old boy one time, and he'd had his hand in a mash barrel all his life. You know, well, there's no skin at all on there. There's no prints. We ain't too interested in your good old Mississippi boy stories, Anderson. You ain't from here no more. Why'd you leave, anyway? Well, I just wanted to change the scenery. You know, uh, the grits started leaving a bad taste in my mouth.
6: Well, if that's how you feel about it, Mr. FBI man, why don't you drink up that beer and get the hell on outta here and back to your commie
7: nigger-loving bosses up north? <laughs> you must not know my boss, Mr. Hoover. Uh, He's not too fond of commies. <laughs> He'd be on your side there.
6: I don't give two shits whose side you're Mr. Hoover's on, boy. All I know is we got 5,000 niggers in this county who ain't registered a boat yet. And as far as I'm concerned, they never will. So you can tell your stiff suits up there in Washington, D.C., that they ain't gonna change us one bit. Unless it's over my dead body,
7: or a lot of dead niggers. (laughs) You'd kill Frank? Is that what you're saying?
6: I wouldn't give it no more thought than wringing a cat's neck. And there ain't a court in Mississippi
7: that'd convict me for it. How about you, deputy? How you with ringing necks, huh? Just keep pushing me over, boy. Get this straight, you corn
6: old fucker. You tell your queer ass nigger bosses up north they ain't never gonna find them civil rightsers down here. So you might as well back up your bags and head your ass home back up north where you belong.
5: Wake
7: out! Oh! You get this straight, shit kicker. Don't you go mistaking me for some whole other body. you got your brains in your dick if you think we're just gonna fade away. We're gonna be here till this thing's finished. How about you, deputy? Is that gun just for show? Or do you get to shoot people once in a while?
0: Thanks for the beer. Do you think it's possible to be overexposed. You know, you're talking about this idea that everything is everywhere. Do you think it's possible to be overexposed? And have you ever felt overexposed?
6: I think it is possible. It is. I think it can be overexposed. I mean, you can... It'll be good for your pocketbook, though. (laughs) You know, in your bank account to be overexposed to doing doing all these projects. And, you know, but it's really tough to... uh, If you're doing one back-to-back back to back it, it's I think that's hard that's really uh, that can overexpose you emotionally yeah. you know and yeah. that yeah. you know it's like yes it can and um, no I don't think I've I have uh, I I've I've gotten opportunities opportunities to do more serial killers or you know the like and in the beginning when I did Henry and it became very, you know, the thing and popular and, uh, you know, critics dug it and all that stuff. And I, I got, a, you know, several offers to do more of the same. And I, I just, chose, it's up to you, man. You just choose. No, I've been down that road. I'm, you know, maybe one day, but right now, no, I'd love it. I'd like to move on. You know, I, you know, I, Want to do something different, or something else, you know, and so that I think that that helps you not be overexposed in one type of film or category
0: or what you know? so, so you so your gut I mean, I, I think you're a man of your gut, like you're acting on your gut, but I'm always fascinated in a shitty way because I could deal with it a little bit, like the machine sometimes the machine doesn't want the actor to talk. Uh, or calculates the best time to talk. The press teams are like, we don't want the actors to talk yet. Do you think we're overthinking this thing? Y- you're amazing because you're about to do a movie and I'm talking to you, which no one ever does. But I know sometimes when I want to talk to an actor, it's not time yet. Do you think that's a lot of bullshit? And, and uh, wh- wh- how does that work for you? It's,
6: it's- That's all part of the marketing strategy. Their marketing strategies. They're about to do a project, or the project's done, and they're they're getting press ready for it, and and they want to want you to hold off. Don't talk about it yet. That kind of stuff, because they want to be. It's more of a controlling thing. They want to. They they feel that there's a certain time to release certain things, certain idea, uh, certain you know things about the. About the film or the play or whatever, I'm waiting on something right now. Yeah, I did a movie called Bolden. It's about Buddy Bolden. It's the birthing of jazz. You know, 1900. You know, 1904 ish. even Before that, he was like the Elvis of his day. You know, didn't didn't read music, and just wow. you know, he just played. He played the cornet, and uh, I'm I'm I did this movie. Ten years ago or so. And it never got released. Wow. Five years into it, we were like wondering what's going on. So the producer-director came back and he wanted to shoot a couple of extra scenes and said, of course, you know, anything to get it out there. And um, we started shooting and and then we stopped. And then like a year or so later, he decided he's going to redo the whole thing. So he redid the entire... Film.
0: wow this movie
6: has been shot two times
0: jesus i was
6: the only one and the one other a choreographer dancer lady we were the only two that were really hired to do the second one hmm. and uh so there's a movie coming out <laughs> it's gonna be called or just bolden i'm not sure now yeah. but it, it it's a film that i've been involved with for over 10 years now
0: you you're heading on a really interesting question coming and i'm not just saying this cuz i'm asking it but here's my first question how do you how does that make you feel that mishagash like that stew of time and redoing and reshooting does it make does, is it a big question mark or do you uh, develop some sort of ambivalence because you know actors when we talk about exposure and actors actors are often the last to know shit you know it's funny we always ask actors to show up and do press conferences for movies they haven't even seen the finished yeah,
6: sometimes film yet you know sometimes you don't get a chance to to see it before you have to talk about it, so uh, you know that just gives you the opportunity to talk about the experiences.
1: Right. Nowadays,
6: usually they they get a copy, they get something to the actors. So if you're going to do press, if they're going to have you doing all that, they want you to know what you're talking about. <laughs> usually. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that way you'll you'll at least be a little bit informed. And know whether or not you were cut out of the movie or not.
0: Yeah, just a little, a little tidbit like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> with Michael Ritter, I just a small well, technicality. To, <laughs> hey, dude,
6: back to Bolden. I called the producer, the director guy. Yeah, uh, and, I said, and, I, and I said, "Hey, man, how's it looking?" He says, "Dude." You're everywhere. You're all over the floor here, man. I've been looking at you all day. I
0: said oh, thanks. <laughs> so uh right right you you're, you're going to be the damn poster basically. Um well, you know <laughs> it, it's funny, you know, I I was thinking about, you know, Alabama just to bring you back a little bit, not to get too personal, but you know you you had a lot of siblings in the house. Uh correct any of this if it, if it's true or false.
6: Oh my yeah, yeah. You know I get this and that. There's like uh uh nine, uh, 10, 12. You know what if all the children had, had survived my mom my mom gave birth to
1: yeah.
6: we would have had 12.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you that's know? a lot. Your uh, mom has been busy. There were, there yeah. were a couple
6: yeah. of twins <laughs> and then um that you know miscarriages and 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 uh my two brothers, two brothers, one brother died in a car crash and one one died of spinal meningitis when he was only like four five you know so they've had it, it was a little uh it's amazing people had a lot of kids back then um yeah
0: it's a it's a eugene o'neill play basically yeah
6: i have five sisters and her sisters uh, uh one surviving brother and myself now uh, yeah I grew up with mostly
0: women so. and that does amazing things uh, I think for young men but I, I, I was going to say you know about exposure not to get too psycho babbleish about it but you know I have a sibling and I know there's always like this competition to be seen and heard did you ever feel that when you were young or like did you want to kind of rise above the noise of having siblings or I was always
6: above the noise
0: you were the noise.
6: <laughs> I, I totally, I was completely, I was the noise. Right, right. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I I didn't, there was, I was, with, it was me and my sisters also. My, my two older brothers were already uh, adults and in the military in a way. So it was mainly me and my sisters and uh, my mom. And, and so, yeah, I was the oldest five girls and me and and so i was kind of daddy yeah yeah you know i, I was i like to tell people i don't know if i had a teenager life. you know i was like making sure the girls are in making sure they did their homework making sure that you know once they were all tucked in and done their homework and all that kind of stuff i got to go out so i hung out i hung, went, over, went over hung out with my friends and i i almost never did homework I made the girls do their homework. <laughs> I never did. D-
0: do what I say, don't not what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
6: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I'd, man. I'd rather I'd rather have been hanging out with my my pals on the street and 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 than in in there doing doing my homework from school. I was wasn't the greatest student, but I was I was like this kid that just I'd never give up. So I just stayed in school and trudged along and continued along, and so I went back to school and went to theater school. I ended up going to acting school. So.
0: Yeah, it's funny. A lot of kids go to theater school when they don't know what to do.
6: Ah, I went to theater school because I knew exactly what I wanted to do by that time. I'd already gone to school and didn't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> so <laughs> I, don't re- I, I was already past that. See, I was one of the three oldest students in the school huh. when I went back to theater school, acting school.
0: Speaking with Michael Rooker in a midbeat here. I want to get something, get to something a little melancholy with you, but I think it's a really interesting thing to throw at you. Handle it as you want to. This year with with the Gunn siblings, some guy named James Gunn that you know very well. You've known since two thousand and six and longer. Mm-hmm. Old old stuff was brought up, and Disney let him go from Guardians of the Galaxy three. And the cast was really supportive. There was a petition to keep James on Guardians three that was signed by one hundred seventy three thousand people online. That noise or that that eruption caused you to leave Twitter. Talk a little bit about that, and do you do you think about that often? You know, we're talking about exposure. You kind of closed down an avenue of exposure, over exposure. You know, in a sense of the stupid irony of all this. Yes. Can you yes. talk a little? Not that it's a little bit in the rearview mirror, not quite. But was that a like a gut punch when you heard what happened to James? And 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 do you think? Oh, yeah. Go on. Sorry, man.
6: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, he's trying to be avant-garde or some kind of hard-nosed comedian. And, you know, he's, he he's, he tells it way better than I. But, uh, you know, and, and these the things... I, I don't... Yeah, people are being judged today for things and mistakes that have occurred to them or uh, have happened to them maybe 20, 30 years ago, for goodness sake. So this is, uh, he he just was, uh, like a lot of us, kind of overexposed in that social media thing. And
0: um, Mm, yeah. It giveth and taketh, yeah.
6: And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit to-do. It was a shame. And, um no, he's so talented. And the, the, literally the day after, I'm sure, he, he started getting offers. So, <laughs> dude, you're not going to, you know, the, he's and he's already working, you know, he's been working in, you know. So he's he's writing, and and I'm sure he's going to direct something again. So, you know, he's... He's a talented, and I said, you know, we were just I, me and a friend was just talking about Gun and and myself and and just talking about how I hardly when I think about it, I listen to him, but I don't hardly listen to him, you know. I, I, you know, he's he'll he'll like, oh yeah, cool I think you know you should grow your hair, and and then I come on set, and I've been and I shaved my head, and he looks at me like
0: what? I <laughs> I'm glad you were listening to me. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, you you have, and you know, if history serves, he wrote roles for you, so you've been someone who's inspired him in his work. Yeah, I just yeah. want to just one small part particle. I think of, I've
6: inspired yeah. him because I don't listen to him.
0: Yeah. No. Well, you know what do? <laughs> I
6: take him with a grain of salt, and then I just move on. You know he's really smart and very specific about what he likes or what he wants and then you know things happen on set and all of a sudden something new comes out and he's happy with that too so it's not like he he's he's settled into exactly how he wants to it, wants it played so he's very open to interpretation and and the freedom of the actor and the creative juices that get flowing
0: on set. So. Stanley Kubrick once said, there's no such thing as a bad idea, only a better idea. <laughs> and it seems like you guys, you know, you, you present ideas and then it's just about adding and adding. And that's what really interesting collaboration is. Shutting down your Twitter ventricle, just to button hook this topic for a second, Rooker. Oh, right. Um, you know, I thought right. to myself, does this show, is he trying to say it's Twitter is really stupid or really... Powerful. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when you shut something down, you're either commenting on how trivial it is or how important it is.
6: It was was more trivial. It was just, I was just tired of it. I was like, uh, people, you know, people get online and they talk about, they can talk about anybody and anything and say anything about anybody. And yet nobody knows who they are. Yeah. You know, if you're gonna talk about me, talk about me in front of my face, and uh, so we can have a real conversation. You know, and and uh, and this whole Twitter thing where the, uh, anonymous sources and and all that kind of crap just uh, it just teed me off, it pissed me off, and I was like, oh, enough with this, this is mm. ridiculous. You know, tear down all that crap. You know, and 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 be done with it, and and uh, not, you know. I, I, otherwise, you find yourself like it's uh, habitual. You'll you'll be like it's like having your cell phone in your hand all day
0: long. You
6: <laughs> well, know. Well, what to do? My hand is my hand has become this claw that it's like the, the perfect little gripper for my cell phone. Well, it's our own doing, though, isn't it? Like you know, and expose ourselves as much as we want and yeah. I, I prefer not to like oh I'm doing this now and now I'm doing this and now I'm going to go do this and you know there, there are some bad things that could happen if you tell everybody what you're doing oh yeah hey man I'm going to be gone from the house for about a week I'm going to be over in Timbuktu somewhere and and I hope you guys have a fun time without me over there and Lo and behold, you come back home and they ain't shit in your house anymore <laughs> And then it's your own doing
0: yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's like an urban legend. I'll leave you some theater tickets for you and your wife to enjoy. Go see the show and I'll rob your home while you're gone.
6: <laughs> yeah that's... Well, yeah man it's, it's like uh, are you crazy? Yeah, man, I'm I'm gonna be out of town for about a week, and you wait for the wait for the schmucks to show up and you kick their
0: ass. Let me throw a little a little more tepid example. You know, Instagram. It seems to be less of a of a pebble in your shoe, though. Uh, yeah. And and honestly, cool. when I invited you on the show, and this is this is a testament to I think what a good dude you are, even though we've never met. Once I invited you on the show, you actually followed me um, the show on Instagram, and I think I'm really flattered you would do that. But but what is it less? Is it less narcissistic? You know, what, what, why Instagram for you? What does that serve for you? It's a visual.
6: I, I like it because it's more of a visual. It's a, more of a visual. Yeah. I like uh, 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 posting uh, photos that turn me on and stuff like that, and just like things that you know, just those kinds of things. I, I haven't been on my my certified Twitter for like over a year i haven't posted for over a year people like oh my god you haven't posted for over a year what's going on i said well it's basically i just couldn't get back into the damn thing (laughs) i i i i got a new phone i couldn't get back on because i i had forgotten my i had already three or four emails sent so i'd forgotten the email basically, that I signed on with. And as a matter of fact, James Gunn helped me sign on to Instagram way, way, way back when it first started, like. And I don't remember, I didn't remember my password. I did not remember my, I would probably had uh, a couple of Jack and Cokes at the time. We signed on to this thing and started (laughs) taking stupid pictures of each other at the party, and and I'm like, what is this? wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't want people follow, dude, I don't like it when people follow me. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? I said, dude, I get, you know what, when you start following me, I'll turn around and come face to face with you. So you don't want to be following me, okay? And so he says, no, it's not that kind of following, man. It's like a following. It's like people are online looking at your shit and, you know, listening to what you say and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's weird i just thought it was weird then i still think it's weird and um but but anyway instagram is i thought instagram was kind of on you know with the photos and stuff and then and i just got back on to this bloody site that i haven't been on for a year and that's the one you just saw the the first like you saw probably one of the first two or three posts
0: yeah, you went like boom, boom, boom. You had like five right in a row, and I thought something's something's a little dicey there. I, the the posts of your Instagram that I like is when you're uh, shooting guns. I think that's really kind of badass. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. do do you do you want to get back on Twitter? Do you want to get back, or you, is that kind of done? No, I, no, no, I'm there? not in, I'm
6: not into the Twitter. Okay. I like you know. I'm not into a lot of it. I just like you know. I like the. I'm a I'm a, basically I'm a photographer at heart.
1: Yeah, yeah.
6: So. so I like I, I got I like uh, you know I my first camera was a Nikon. Then I went to Leica and I shot I shot all, all film stuff. Wow. And and now they have the new you know digital cameras that are pretty amazing and and I like posting little odd little photographs and stuff like that and, and that's all.
0: I'm I'm happy as a distant admirer of your work because I think of you as in analog ways, but also in modern ways. You know, again, just to go back, you're in these incredibly big films, but to me, you're a craftsperson. I'm saying that as if you didn't hear me because I know you don't want to talk about you as a craftsperson, but I'm just leaving it be. <laughs> a couple of last thoughts. We've been here generously with Michael Rooker. Um, you know, the one th- I have a pebble in my shoe. You you help me out here for a second. You know what I hate? I got to say, and you can fight me off in an Asshole, but... <laughs> twitter or social god you're
6: such an asshole there good night everybody Tried the fish
0: no, you know this the social eulogizing of when people pass When stan lee someone who's a godfather right. to you a professional godfather yeah of your work. my god
6: love the guy love this guy we you know what we hooked up it was like like just like It was like, I'm looking at my twin, older, you know, older, older. He's he's got energy.
1: Um,
6: He's he's just like, he goes and goes and goes. He was this, this, that Ever Ready battery, man. I I mean, you're, you are totally dragging it back to the hotel after a day (laughs) and he's up and running around and still doing stuff.
0: I I always remember him. I saw him at Khan's, like pants hiked, and I'm not trying to be a douche. I'm just saying, like he was, he was just like I'm ready to roll. His his bodyguards were trailing behind him. I'm oh like, Is yeah. Those, are those your oh, bodyguards? Yeah. You're going faster and than he, them. And
6: he fought me. He's very amazing. He I said, oh my god, why do you do this? Why are you still doing this? And he says, and he said, I mean, and really, he just says, you know, it's for the fans, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
6: You know, yeah, that's yeah. it. And, and he and he he had been doing cons of the comic of the real comic conventions where there was nothing but comics. Right. Right. And, you know, he'd sign his comics. Right. And, you know, in the beginning, that's what it was. Now it's got everything and everybody and. So it's
0: become a big, big thing these days. It it's a cottage industry and to me I agree. He's the poster child for really what it used to be in its purity. You know, mm-hmm. before we had like uh we had we had these press conferences with forty two cast members and I'm not trying to be a dick, I'm just saying they're dog and pony shows now. But you know, when he passed away, Arnie Hammer said, you know, he was sick of people eulogizing other people via twitter and uh jeffrey dean morgan someone also from the comic book fraternity said to arnie don't be an asshat you know this is what people do and then just to button hook it arnie said well i'm gonna have to you're right i apologize i'm gonna have to learn better twitter impulse control (laughs) do you think that's really what it is no i mean
6: impulse control is very important if you're drunk Don't tweet if you're upset. Yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> don't don't get into Twitter fights with other people somewhere in the world. You can't uh, win. Yeah, you know, there's no. It's a no-win situation. Yeah, well, that's it's right. It reminded me. I remember. I remember Twitter and and these things remind me so much. Of when I'm driving across country, I usually drive. If I can, I would prefer to drive to my location. If I take my time. I basically study study my lines and stuff like that as I'm driving, you know. And as I do that, I'm probably the only holly, I'm probably the only actor out here, you know. They're gonna they're gonna tell me no, no, no. I I have one too, but I have I'm like one of the only guys that has a CB in his car. Or his truck. I have a CB in several of my cars. Whenever I drive, I have a CB, and I and I talk with the truckers, and I talk and I listen mostly. I listen,
0: <laughs> but every now
6: and then I talk and I and and stuff like that. But I I but nobody knows who anyone is.
0: That's amazing.
6: You're just having a conversation with someone or some a group of people that are traveling along the highway going the same direction and sometimes going the opposite direction. You're talking to people going the opposite direction as well, but you don't know them. Yeah. Yeah. You'll probably never see them or hear them again in your, in your life. But I have, I've heard several people, I hear people, the same people, you're the same people over and over. If you drive a lot, the CB is like the predecessor to the, it's the, it's, it's basically a, just, it's the same thing as the internet and, and the same thing as Twitter yeah. you don't know who these people are that you're you're, you're having a conversation with and the same thing with uh, with uh, my CB when I'm driving
0: in the car talking on CB it's a great you know it's funny it's a great piece as we wrap up a little with Michael Rooker and I was also, as you were talking, I was thinking of ham radios, you Mm -hmm. know, the image of someone talking into a a control panel, you know, to parts unknown I agree, you know, do you you have a CB in your airstream? That's really why I called you up, I want to know if you have a CB in your airstream that's really what people want to know
6: I, do, I don't have a CV in my Airstream, but I gotcha. have a CV in the truck that pulls the Airstream.
1: Okay.
0: Okay, rubber ducky. <laughs> <laughs> the ABC Sunday Night Movie.
5: A breaker one nine. This here's a rubber duck. Chris
3: Christopherson, <laughs> Allie McGraw, and Ernest Borgnine. For six sakes alive, looks like we've got us a convoy. Convoy. And I'm about to put the hammer down. And nothing's gonna get in their way. Hey, come up for air now.
4: Figured 10 years with a little time off of good behavior.
3: Convoy.
0: You know, it's funny, you know. Sam Peckinpah and Paul would have loved, you know, would have loved you if Sam was still making movies. Michael Rooker would be the lead in the new Sam Peckinpah movie. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> you know, one last question, uh, Rooker. Thank you, man, for spending your time with us today. I really appreciate it. Um,
6: uh, uh, dude, it's it's felt like five minutes. I mean, I we could go on for twenty four hours here easy 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 conversation easy easy piece we're
0: doing here, man. I want to do this again in person someday and just like this would be a cool thing to carry well, on
6: we've tried like we tried the last three years we've tried because I
0: always think <laughs> of you dude I always think of you because I think you're to me what I think modern actors should be like a mix of every fucking influence they've ever had in their life uh, so I think of you all the time so we will do one of these you know one question though I was thinking this today as we wrap up of an exposure the question I I want to give you a question and an example does anything shock you anymore I, I guess you know what when i was coming up as a kid robert de niro did saturday night live you know never in a snowball's chance in hell would shit like that happen you know there used mm-hmm. to be a time when people's sex appeal was how little they did mm-hmm. does anything surprise you anymore like have we lost privacy can we reclaim that where less is more can we reclaim where less is more I hope so.
6: Mm. I truly hope so. Because it's, it, it, I think it's at a tipping point. I mean, it's, and everybody, everybody has their own opinion. And of course, then they are perfectly willing to air it. I've been tempted, but I just don't want to air my, all my opinions on everything. It, it's just, yeah, I like to, I like to keep things sort of close to the vest, you know. I, I like the I like it when people don't know. Yeah, it's better when there's a mystery.
0: Remember that? Remember, remember mystery. You know, yeah. it's
6: just better when there's a mystery. It's better when they don't know. In a in a film, I mean, my goodness, it's, it's so much better when you you don't see the monster. Yeah,
1: or it's so much yes. better when the
6: the thriller. It's just it's, it's like oh my gosh, this is it's intense, and it's intense because you haven't seen. You don't know everything, <laughs> so it's like it's got you on the edge of your seat all the time, yeah. and it's uh, amazing. And a uh, comic con, and I'll do a Q and A. If someone comes out of that Q and A, actually getting a f- real straight answer from me, I should give them an award because <laughs> <laughs> I just give them. It's so much fun to give nothing. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> And, they, and, they, and it's so much fun to laugh because you just gave an answer that didn't make comp- didn't make sense at all. <laughs> you know, so well, <laughs> it's like, what, what are we doing here? We're just having fun. You know, we don't. You don't need to know everything,
0: do you? Whatever you're doing, whether it's transparent, exposed, or underexposed, uh, it's it's really cool to hang out for 45 minutes and chat. And I have bad news for you, Rooker. Your nonsense made a hell of a lot of sense to me. Um, <laughs> if I can ever be of help getting the good word out on you, I'll do your talking for you. You know, remember when Brando won an Oscar and the Native American girl went up and accepted the Oscar? I-
6: I watched that. Yes, I. Yeah, I remember it. Totally. And she,
0: she was actually an actress who was, has learned it. If you need someone to do your talking for you, just, just call me up. You know, and I'll I'm just
6: call you up. If, and I'll just, rip, okay. I'll rip
0: him a new one. I'll rip him a new <laughs> if one. I,
6: if I ever get an award, I don't, I don't think I'll ever get any kind of award, I, I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm like, okay, an award for, for really? Are you? Serious? An award? I I mean, I get an award. I don't. I don't don't need an award. There's a whole business within the business within the business. You know, with everything, everyone gets awards now. (laughs) Have you noticed? I mean, there's the Oscar award, but then there's like there's award ceremonies for everything (laughs) now. Yeah. every fucking thing I couldn't believe it there's an award yeah. there's awards for dude there's there's, a, there's awards for like the shittiest actors in the world <laughs> you get an award for being a shitty actor you get an award for being a great actor you get an award for, for being you know a, a day player for god's sake you know I, I, I never got awards for doing my day player jobs I did day player jobs when I just began you know, yeah. I mean, I yeah.
0: never get an award for that. <laughs> no, you're right. You know, I, I think during the course of this talk, you were nominated for a Grammy. I don't know how that happened. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we we just throw awards, at, you know, when the wind blows left. You know, I, I think it's... It, it's
6: amazing. It's amazing it's how many awards and awards there are. It, it's become like, oh, jeez. Okay, another one.
0: Well, uh, you know, for my favorite uh, talk of the day so far, uh, you you have won this award. Michael, man, (laughs) thank you so much, brother. And if I can ever be of service, (laughs) let me know. And and hopefully we could do this again. I'd love to hold you to that idea and do this again in person someday.
6: Indeed, indeed, my brother. Yeah, it'll be fun to get together with you personally and and, uh, and just uh, (laughs) have a great time in front of an audience. It's always fun, live, live. uh, Stuff is always uh, a thrilling, and uh, it's a whole new ball game. And it's just the uh, the energy is palpable, you know, palpable, and is uh, very intriguing and, and stuff. I love that stuff.
0: Well, the rum and cokes are on me next time. Thanks so much, Rooker. I really appreciate it, man.
6: Thank you, brother. Bye bye.
0: Bye. Ciao.
4: The winner is Marlon Brando in The Godfather.
3: Accepting the award for Marlon Brando and the Godfather, Miss Sasheen Littlefeather.
4: Hello, my name is Sasheen Littlefeather. I'm Apache and I'm president of the National Native American Affirmative Image Committee. I'm representing Marlon Brando this evening And he has asked me to tell you in a very long speech, which I cannot share with you presently because of time, but I will be glad to share with the press afterwards, that he very regretfully cannot accept this very generous award. And the reasons for this being are the treatment of American Indians today by the film industry, excuse me, and on television, in movie reruns, and also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I beg at this time that I have not intruded upon this evening, and that we will, in the future, our hearts and our understandings will meet with love and generosity. Thank you on behalf of Marlon Brando.
0: interesting about that Brando moment oh thank you oh, no, no really thank you don't stop what's interesting about that Brando moment 1973 Oscar ceremony the Oscar wasn't given to anyone that year so it was essentially vacated. It's not like a beauty pageant. Well, it is like a beauty pageant, but it's not like a traditional beauty pageant where the next runner-up serves in the stead of the winner. No, no, no. There's no winner that year, 1973, uh, for performances 1972. It was the second time the Oscar was not accepted by the winner. Uh, George C. Scott didn't accept it for Patton because he didn't believe in award shows, essentially saying they could keep it. My kind of guy. I want to thank Michael Rooker for being here with us today on Murmur. I want to thank you for being here with us today on murmur you got us to a hundred episodes of murmur thank you so much thank you for listening thank you to our guests thank you for downloading and subscribing and reviewing itunes google play stitcher TuneIn radio thank you for following us social handles exposing us at msf murmur twitter instagram truly thank you for 100 episodes more live stuff Leslie Snipes and I in Monaco. Actors, exposure, be there. See it.